<laughs> What's happening, weirdos? Uh, hey, here's the hat I made you. You never wear this. Well, I thought it was yours. No, I made this for you for Christmas. I knitted it. Well, I put it in here so I'd wear it when it was cold. It's so cute on you. So cute. Alert. You hate it. You hate it. I don't hate it. How would you say that? <laughs> More interestingly, I, I find this weird phenomenon. I don't know why I can't lie better to you. <laughs> Here's an example. Like, you love the crown, and I really like the crown. But I try to tell you that I love the crown. Yeah. And you always know that I don't mean it. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I don't understand. I'm an actor. I'm saying the things that you would say. Like, I'm saying, like, oh, I would watch this without you. We're going to watch the whole season. Well, yeah, you severely overdo it. Because I know when you really like something, you're like, I I loved that. That was great. And, like, when you don't, you're like, I'm loving this. We'll never stop watching this. I'm going to watch the whole series, whether you're watching it or not, sister. Why don't men like The Crown? It is crazy. I love The Crown. I know that some men like it. I like it. But, like... It's okay. No, I'm just kidding. Just keep going It is Mad Men. It's so fascinating. But It's it's Mad Men, but they're wearing doilies. It's Mad Men, but it's about a woman. Let's just say what it is. The episode we watched was almost 0% about a woman. That's so true. that cannot be it. That is true. And I did like it. I know. I Mad Men, even though I love it, fave show of all time, probably, is a soap opera. And it's like, if you reduce it to its core, it's a very, very good soap opera. The Crown is not really a soap opera. Yeah, you just haven't gotten deep enough into it. You've only watched two episodes. That's why we're going to keep going. All I remember is John Lithgow eating soup as a very convincing Winston Churchill. <laughs> it like gets he, very... Is he on it more? Oh, yeah. The whole season one is all about John Lithgow. And he eats him. like an old man like that? Yes, he does such Winston... He's, he won, I think he won an award for that. It's, it's the best He's Winston really Churchill. nasty. Yeah, and of course, Winston Churchill uh, was nasty. Was I'm like, I'm sure there's plenty of footage. You'd only need a tape recorder to know how he ate soup. <laughs> like, oh it's nasty town. No, it is a soap opera in the way that Mad Men is, because I actually want you to watch Downton Abbey, but that's too much of a soap opera. Mm. The Crown is the soap opera in a way that Mad Men is, where it's a real slow pull. Like, by season four, when the the queen and her son are having a conversation... You nothing is being said, but you know all the layers of psychology that. that's happening. But the pilot of Mad Men, the pilot of The Crown, ends where he's like, "You need to love my daughter," and he's like, "Okay," and then they shoot birds. The end of the pilot of Mad Men is after you've seen him having sex with this one woman in the West Village, he goes upstate and says goodnight to his children. Yes, and you're like. That's a soap opera. Well, You're like, wow, he's having an affair, but he seems so together. There is no argument that the Mad Men pilot is a is a feat of perfection. But there is also more drama in the pilot of Crown than you gave it credit for. The king is dying. Yeah, and he for, has a lung removed. And, and for most of the episode, he doesn't even know that he's dying. It seems like he's not aware that he's dying even after they say... You're dying. <laughs> um, guys, sorry for those crown spoilers. Right? <laughs> That's season one. It's, it's, it's been a while. Season four is over. Statute, you gotta... statute, statute of limitations. I need to limit how many times I say statute. 
Guys, we appreciate you listening. Thank you for listening. Just get a fucking Pete's pick, dude. Get a Pete and Val's pick and show your support of the podcast, okay? Okay. We got some new ones. This one is Sunday. Sunday is a lawn care company that I freaking love because lawn care is the worst. Yeah, I'm not a fix-it Felix. I'm not a handy guy. But I got myself a little patch of grass, and I was tired of mosquitoes, first and foremost. Oh, yeah. Brown spots, bear patches, pesky weeds, and nibbling grubs. Uh, it was the worst. But Sunday took lawn care, and they made it easier than ever. I went to sketsunday.com. Not sunday.com. Getsunday.com. I entered my home address. I thought it was going to be a whole process. They were going to send somebody out. I was going to have to make a plan, all this crap. They do it completely online with the sat photos, satellite photos, and their free lawn analysis took care of the rest in like seconds. It knew how big our lawn was. It knew the soil profile for our area. It knew the climate and the rain pattern and all that stuff and delivered us exactly what we needed and nothing more. Sunday uses soil and climate data to create a tailored nutrient plan so you get all the stuff your lawn needs and nothing it doesn't. Sunday is made with ingredients that you can actually pronounce like seaweed, iron, and molasses. As a vegan, that sounds conspicuously like my lunch. So you can grow better and feel better about it. But I really do love it. You can specify that you have kids. You can specify that you have pets so they make sure you're not getting anything Nasty. Sunday explains what you're getting and why, and everything is waiting at your door when you need it. All I had to do was attach the ready-to-use pouch to a garden hose. That's it. You're waiting for more? There's no more. I hosed down the grass, and we used the Mosquito Delito add-on. Boom. I couldn't believe how fast it worked. We don't have mosquitoes anymore, which actually, I, I didn't know this either, in this part of L.A., Mosquitoes be a problem. Mm -hmm. Not anymore. I got our neighbors turned on to it. Got them into Sunday. Lawn care used to take up a whole day. Now it takes less than 15 minutes. And Leela thinks it's really funny and cool to spray down the grass. Best of all, this stuff really works. Grass has never looked greener or better or more vivacious. Vivacious. So let Sunday take the guesswork out of growing a greener, more beautiful lawn this spring. Go to GetSunday.com slash weird to get $20 off your custom lawn plan at checkout. That's 20 bucks off your custom plan at GetSunday.com slash weird. That's right. And show your support of this podcast. podcast. Our second one is Immunity. I, for many years, have been a big subscriber to uh, mushrooms, not the magic psychedelic ones. Well, that's another not topic. Only. <laughs> but I swear by the other kind of magic mushrooms, which are the mushrooms that are legal and that are very, very beneficial for a numerous amount of things in your body, in your gut, in your head. Uh, and I've been looking for an easy way to get them into my diet. I used to add them to my smoothies, but I was always opening like 15 things to get a variety of stuff. It was a pain in the butt. Enter Magic Immune T. I'm saying that slow because it's Magic Immunity, but it's Magic Immune, the letter A, T E A, which is available at immuneatea.com. It is an amazing tasting, smooth, sweet, you don't even have to sweeten it, mushroom tea that doesn't taste like mushrooms. That is so key. Mm -hmm. It doesn't taste like mushrooms. It tastes like chamomile. Absolutely the same as chamomile, but it's got all of this stuff 
packed into it for your immunity, for your gut, and for your brain. It's not caffeinated, but delivers a natural, calm energy. But also, if you drink it at night, this this is counterintuitive, but it also helps me wind down and get better sleep. It's packed with life, which means the tea is packed with the four core mushrooms. Reishi, lion's mane, which actually comes up in this episode organically, mm-hmm. shaga, and cordyceps. Uh, that, that, what, what do I got? I lost my place. These mushrooms are not psychedelic. (laughs) Rather, rather these functional mushrooms are magical in that they act to boost your immune system as well to support a healthy heart, lungs, gut, and brain. So show your support of this uh, podcast and get the only mushroom beverage that doesn't taste like a mushroom beverage and doesn't taste good and are usually much harder to make than this. Go to Magic uh, Immunity. Get it at a immune com and use code uh, weird <laughs> for 20% <laughs> off as- and free shipping. That's immunity.com and use promo code weird for 20% off free. I was hoping you'd say and. Oh, and. <laughs> free shipping. <laughs> Thank you. For 20% off of free shipping. <laughs> Which is nothing. Yeah. It's 20% off and free shipping. And speaking of health, uh, last but not least is Ritual. Ritual Ritual. is my personal go-to for a multivitamin that is custom designed for me, my age, my body. I love it. We deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why, especially when it comes to something we take every day. And Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly formula is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms your body can actually use. No sugars, no GMOs, no allergens, no major allergens, no synthetic fillers, no artificial colorants. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> You're just getting real heated I'm real it. into it. Plus, the fresh taste and delayed-release capsule design makes taking your vitamin easy. I do intermittent fasting. Usually if I take a multivitamin on an empty stomach, it makes my stomach upset, especially if it has zinc in it. It makes me puke. Ritual is different. <laughs> it doesn't break down until it's in your lower intestine, which also comes up in this episode. Your lower intestine? Yeah. Remember? Mm, no. Well, you're going to have to listen to it, uh, which is where the vitamins are absorbed anyway, and that's how it actually gets into your blood. I take it first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, big glass of water, and I feel ready to start my day. A multivitamin should contain key nutrients and forms your body can actually use to help fill the gaps in your diet. No shady extras. The delayed capsule design releases these like D3, B12, which I need. Mm-hmm. D3, obviously, important for immunity. B12, great for energy. Uh, in two daily pills. You'll always know what's in them because they come with a visible supply chain literature so you can actually read where these things are coming from. They're available for women, men, and teens. Ritual multivitamins are scientifically developed to help support different stages of life. Your multivitamins are also delivered to your door every month with free shipping always. You can start, snooze, or cancel your subscription anytime. I've had to snooze it in the past. I added Val in the past. Couldn't be easier. Love their website. And if you don't love Ritual, within the first month, they'll refund your first order. So, show your support of the show and get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering weirdos 10% off during the first three months. Visit ritual.com slash weird to start your ritual today. That's ritual.com slash weird. Hilarious. <laughs> I thought you'd either say slash or weird, and you said slash weird. <laughs> Guys, I really love this episode. I hope you do, too. It was so fun to do. Thank you for your questions. Oh, and one of the guys, he, he was asking about 
when you feel like a bad person. Listen to the song um, Heavy by Bird Talker. I forgot to say that. Yes, so important. That song was written for when you feel like a bad person. We also get into that question towards the end of the show. Yep. Get into Is she a version of me, Mr. Duplicity? Will she go down on you in a theater? She says theater like she's mad at the theater. <laughs> in a theater? Will, you go, will she go down on you in a theater? Is there anything more 20s breakup? Oh, my God. Than yes. wh- oh, will she go down on you in a theater? <laughs> Cut to Dave Coulier. Are you mad at the theater? <laughs> You wanted to do that. I actually was like, no, thank you. I'm trying to enjoy my jujubes. I don't need a jujubijay. I don't need a jujubijay. Hey, it's Paula Shaw. Remember when you loved me? You loved me for almost two decades, and now you wouldn't even take my picture if you saw me at a Quiznos. (laughs) Buddy, that's not true. I would be excited to see Pauline Shore. Pauline. Maybe it's Pauline. It's Paul, right? Uh, It's it's (laughs) Paul Shore. Paul Shore. Hi, I'm Paul Shore. Like one Y. Made a career. How are you, Bubba? I'm not going to (laughs) steamroll. I'm here. I was just singing Alanis. I got excited. Oh, Oh, a kiss. What a weird way to start. Your kiss is on my list. (laughs) Do you say list or lips? I say list, because it's of the best things in life. Yeah, I know, but a lot of people out there singing your kisses on my lips. Yeah, that's a... And then they just go, as a positive mind. Like, they omit <laughs> that part. As a positive mind. Will she I go like... down on you in a theater? If someone said that to me, I'd go, this just confirms our breakup. Like, if yeah. someone takes a breakup poorly and, and yells, will she go down on you in a theater? Yeah. Or every time I run my nails down someone else's back, I hope you feel it. Yeah. I'd be like, I am so happy you said that. Oh, my God. Like, thank you. It really because is. Because I now know I did the right thing. I know that, like, I'm pretty sure Alanis is, like... Alanis. No, it's not Alanis. You're the only person I know who says Alanis Morissette. It's Alanis... Alanis Morissette. Alanis... No. A homelan. No. A homelan. Um, I need a homelan from Alanis. Why are you opening final draft right now? I... I don't want to say it's the Moderna vaccine, but I've been pretty chunky funky lately. <laughs> and it feels good. It feels good. I have pockets of like hyper focus and creativity and like, and then I have like huge windows of like, I don't think I'll ever be funny again. Yeah. It's really weird. But that's, um, you know what else we call that? A regular Tuesday. That's true. Okay, um, Mama, what do you got? I know that she's like super, uh, I think she's like a pretty... Like groovy. Yeah. Thank you, India. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. She's like Thank groovy. And I I've hope heard she her. listens. You I... won't find one ounce of tease in these in no, these no, remarks. No. Well, okay. Well, I was about to say I wouldn't tease her now. Yeah. Because uh, I I've heard her. She actually was on Sharon Salzberg pod. Sharon Salzberg's podcast. Jack Corn fed beef. <laughs> 
Salzburg steaks? Yes. Are these um, Salzburg steaks corn cornfield fed? <laughs> anyway, um, at this point, what I was about to say is just so irrelevant. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm done. I got all my energy out. Um, I'm going to make chill. She's very smart and like really philosophical and really groovy. Um, but just to speak to the like, that song is such a 20s song. That's what I mean. That it is very like self-serving in that coded way that you kind of are when you're in your 20s where really the takeaway is like, that's right. I go down on you guys in the theater and I, and scratch, I scratch their back. back. Yeah. Like I am sexual and I am hot That's and right. you're going to miss me. <laughs> nobody owns my sexuality. It's a reclaiming. Yeah. You're also dating an older man. I believe the song is confirmed to be about the lovely Dave Coulier. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's confirmed. If it's not confirmed, it's like Mikey and the Pop Rocks. You know what I mean? It happened. <laughs> what is Mikey and the Pop Rocks? Mikey from He Likes It. Mikey drank Coca Cola and Pop Rocks and died. He did? Absolutely not. Oh, <laughs> like, but I'm pretty sure that's, that's a thing. A, but because co- every time you mix the rocks and Coca Cola, will you explode? Uh? <laughs> will Mikey you like it? Like it. <laughs> <laughs> To remind you. you not to eat pop rocks and drink Coca-Cola. <laughs> yes. I, that's just, it's like Richard Gere and the Gerbil. What if I said Gerbil? <laughs> I really? What like, if I said Gerbil? What breath. if I thought Hitler had a guy named Gerbils? He had two Gerbils. Well, you just said Alanis. And so I really like was t- that pa- that brief pause was me being like, oh my God, did I marry a man that thinks it's called Gerbil? Gerbil. <laughs> Gerbil is if we started like an app. Yeah. And it's spelled gerbil. It's an app that like identifies what is if your gerbil is sick. It's like WebMD for gerbil. I like that. I was, yep, I'm, I don't mean to yes, no that. <laughs> but I had a strong feeling that we were like, we work, but we're just called gerbil for some reason. Oh, okay. Because like the way Apple, it's just a list of words that sound pleasant. Yeah. Although the bite out of it, is it an a- Adam and Eve? They took the bite of good and evil and a computer's binary. That's my theory. Ooh. I snort math. <laughs> math is a big problem. I know. <laughs> what the hell is happening Remember in your this brain? one? I don't know, Mama. <laughs> um, I miss you. One, I miss you. I haven't yeah, seen you. Yeah, I miss you. We've been two, working in two different rooms of the house for weeks. Jesus <laughs> Crow. Two, last night I tried to, to rob a bank. I'm talking about the sleep bank. <laughs> I'm talking about getting a pillowcase mask and a sheet disguise and going into the sleep bank. It knows it's you. It knows it's you. Oh but you're going to try and withdraw. Withdrawal? Wait. More... Sleep, Alana's more sleep than it's used to giving you. Mm-hmm. I'm usually rocking with six. Six solid. <laughs> six I might be in the bed for eight, but, you know, I got a baby kicking me. Yeah. Hi, Brody. Welcome to the podcast. Have you ever seen a UFO? <laughs> he probably has. It's your hardest laugh. He laughs every day. Yeah. Try to laugh every day. <laughs> anyway, I went to bed at 930 yeah, and I, I still, uh, the only modern side effects I've had have been besides like, what you're experiencing now as the listener. <laughs> I actually don't think. No, this, no, 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 no. It isn't. Get the vaccine. It's fine. Get it, get it, or don't get it. The world needs all energies, including the nays. We're the not nays. getting into this. <laughs> the nays. I, I mean, it needs thieves too, in a certain respect. 
Like like uh, sleep bank robbers. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I feel like this might be Alfred and what's her name? N- Nidoris. Well, What's Fred Armisen, Fred Armisen, and, and, and Nicola, <laughs> Natasha Leone, Natasha who is Leone. one of the biggest stars in this country. And I know. And, I don't. I mean, no disrespect. Yeah. I when I met her, uh, I thought she was doing a character because she's so kind of New York. She's oh, she's like, so New York. What's your deal? You got like a fucking thing. That's Boston, but she was being like a bodega. Not the owner of the bodega, but the kind of girl in the nave that's always at that bodega. Oh my god. Where's Nadine? She's at the Dega, dude. This is somebody that I really would love to be friends with and I am What have I said? I want to be friends with Alanis. <laughs> That's true. I've DM'd Alanis. <laughs> I've direct messaged her. Is there an indirect message? <laughs> yeah, it's it's adding someone. Oh. Or tagging them in Instagram. Oh, there he is. <laughs> There's nuance. The more things change, the more they stay Monet. <laughs> oh, my God. Is it too late to start over? Oh, we can't. We need a record of this. People need this to see like, what happened to me. This is, the, this is the equivalent of, like, trying to start your car in the snow. It's like, yeah. we're, we ha- this car hasn't started yet. I We've dis- had a few. I disagree. This car has. It's making some weird sounds. We skis might need- <laughs> instead of wheels. We might need what? Yeah, that's true. It it does have skis instead of wheels. No, I'm definitely. Uh, I didn't know it until we started recording, and we sang Alanis, which is sort of like rubbing my lamp. Yeah. <laughs> if if you if you and I said that like Paul Rudd. I haven't done my Paul Rudd impression in a long time. He'll always be like, that's sort of like rubbing my lamp. That's how you. Get Aladdin. Like, he'll do the joke twice. Yes. He'll the sit, second one will be, like, more re-wording. specific rewording. Yeah. But it's like, it's like so often when we're entertained, what we're actually entertained by is mental acuity. Or, or we love synonyms. Like, we love people mm-hmm. that can paint with their words and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So he'll be like, what am I? One of the girls on Friends? Am I Rachel? Yeah. Like that's that's a yeah. that's my Paul Rudd impression. Yeah, it's great. Rudd, do the podcast. Natasha oh, Lyon Rudd is just a gift to the world. Natasha so. Leon looks like a lion. She yeah. looks like a leon. I know. I know. She's a leon. She's fierce. She's, she's so fierce. cool. She's, she's so, really cool. She's like you, when she, I say she's like the girl of the bodega. I'm like you don't see it anymore. But like yeah. she's like an outsider. It's like they're the oh, gangs she, and the outsiders. And she's the little girl. And she grew up. And she's still kind of like 80s she, cool. I'm pretty sure very much identifies as being a New Yorker in kind of a very classic way that you, or at least we don't see anymore. Maybe people who live in I New York I couldn't do. agree more. And that's so cool and so like intimidating to this fragile little California baby. So, like, she's the cool girl. When I say I want to be friends with her, she is definitely the, like, very cool girl in school that I'm like, I... I want to be the type of person who could be friends with her, but I know that I'm not and never would be. I don't think she would like me. Um, And that's okay. (laughs) Well, I feel like it would go a little something like this. What do you mean you don't know what you want for dinner? Well, you just fucking pick something. Yeah, and I would be like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay, I'm so sorry. (laughs) She's combing her hair with a switchblade comb. Yeah. (laughs) Just pick. You want Mexican? You want sushi? Very different flavors. Fred? (laughs) But what I was going to say was I feel like this might be a a mood that, well, I'm putting myself in very good company. But Fred is uh, incredible. 
Yeah. He's, he's incredible. He's one of the Incredibles. He's <laughs> Paul, Mr. Incredible. Paul Red's back? <laughs> he's back. And he did it. And you realize that the main Incredible is just called Mr. Incredible, uh-huh. which is barely anything. Yep. All right. Um, how are you? How are you feel today? Uh, how how are you feel today? I, how are you feel today? <laughs> I feel good today. I haven't been checking the news today because I needed to just OMG. take a little break from it. Guys, and... the great secret, the great secret, yeah, is it's one day. I took Sunday away from a telephone. Yeah, and then I was so I actually did Saturday and it was so good. I did Sunday too. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You miss nothing. Y- well. I mean, I'm deliberately like, I, because I'm sure there's stuff that I like. Yeah, but it'll be there tomorrow. Right, exactly. That's what I, I, I don't mean nothing it happens. happens. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure you're going to get a few texts, usually group texts. Weekends are the group texts. Jesus weekends. Take it easy with the fucking group texts. <laughs> I'm on so many group texts Turn right off now. notifications, please. <laughs> See that little crescent moon, baby? That tells you how invested I am in this group text. <laughs> Um, Muted. Yeah, you always, when we're on group texts together, I'm like, did you see what so-and-so texted? And you're like, no, I don't, I don't read those. <laughs> you know what I, what I refuse to do is scroll up for 30 seconds to find the beginning yeah. of a chain. I, like I'm just reading and the donkey's face. And I'm like, that always happens pages. with, for, that's how I feel about our group, te- our group thread with Kumail and Emily, because you guys, I swear you guys are like, it makes sense. You are on the same schedule of like when you guys want to interact with each other. And then when you don't like all of my, my very, very close friends, we're just kind of in this nice steady pattern. You're a drip, drip, drip. Yeah. Of like, if it's been a couple days, we check in like, but, but with you and Kumail and Emily, I think just because of your lifestyles and, and I don't know, you guys have been friends for so long. You've maybe just found this way that really works for you. You like flare up really hot one day and then like not for months. Yeah. No, it works for no one. <laughs> like it works because of some wound. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like I'm there's not, something I'm speaking for myself. Yeah. I'm not criticizing some things. It. I wish on a fish. Is that the expression? <laughs> Okay, I wish on a fish. Why isn't that an expression? I wish on a fish. Here's what I wish on a fish. First and foremost, I'd like to continue some sort of self-realization, self-emptying. Mm-hmm. Right? We talked about the burn it down. Mm-hmm. Burn down everything that isn't truth, that isn't eternal. That's my number one. I love that. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I feel silly putting that on a list because With a fish. that. <laughs> Well, it's a list with a fist, and it's a wish with a fish. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. Sorry, because a fist has five fingers. It's, it's, and, it's and etymology. Your, kiss, your kiss is on that well, fish I, list. My kiss is on I couldn't. Sorry, why'd I talk while you were saying it? Say it again. Nope, never. I never will. <laughs> I respect your choice, but it was so good. <laughs> Number two, I wish on a fish that I wasn't... Mm, let me phrase it another way. Okay. I humbly surrender and lovingly acknowledge a pattern and respect, a pattern in Pete that is, we talk about it all the time, on the spot and otherwise, it's like 
I will read an entire book and watch every documentary. And in my free time, I'll watch lectures from Richard Rohr. Mm -hmm. And just like my brain is just going and I'll remember it and retain it. And I'll feel like electricity is shooting from my fingers. And God help you if you run into me. Uh, we'll talk for five minutes and I'll tell you how we should do a music tour. <laughs> like how we should have a music festival. Like it's infinite. Well, I usually call it infinite potential. Yeah. What doesn't get enough press, <laughs> Twitter. I'm just kidding. What doesn't get enough press is like I'm coming out of basically a five-day uh, I don't want to call it a depression. I don't think I'm manic depressive, but I definitely had like five days of like, I can't do shit. Yeah. And this brings us back, or I can't even, I'm still there. I was feeling low this week and I told Val, I was like, I, I'm giving you permission in the future if I tell you that I'm feeling low to remind me of the mantra, yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. Because I really could get into a space and to all my numb or or just sort of low, despondent feeling weirdos listening right now, there really was like, it wasn't that difficult. Once you say, as you always say, to let it in, let it expand, and then you can kind of start marveling at it. Yeah. You go like, wow, mm -hmm. you're still low. I never stopped feeling low. Yeah. But you started going like, like looking at a decaying old factory. Yeah. But like instead of going, I used to work here. We used to make shows. You just go, <laughs> look at the glass with the dust on it. And look at the spiders. And look at the <laughs> cobwebs and these broken boards. You know how decay can be really beautiful? Yeah. I By saying yes, thank you to my melancholy, mm -hmm. it made it a fairly pleasant experience but this actually circles back to what we were saying it's not just complete nonsense taking a day or two away from my phone yeah and i know i've said this a million and i've said it i'll say it a million more is going to your phone even if it's just your email or your texts and then the the big offenders your tweets your grams your face mm -hmm. um it's just conditioning you that whatever you need is coming it's not here yeah. it's coming you're literally checking yeah is it here yeah. And it, it robs you of everything that's happening, including the stuff that you don't like, mm -hmm. that if you stopped and just allowed it and said, holy fuck, I'm a human being feeling, and you still feel it, but you're like looking at it. Mine looked like a, a grimacerian, like grimace, as unto grimace, mm. <laughs> purple blob in my belly and my throat. Mm -hmm. And when I could get a look at it and stop thinking about the future, will it still be here in the future? Comparing it to the past, have I felt this way in the past? Mm -hmm. uh, we're spinning out worse, like I'm never going to be able to finish this thing I've been working on and, and been struggling with and all the blah, blah, blah. And just looked at grimace. Mm -hmm. um, I bet you have some thoughts on that. I have so many thoughts on that. I'm going to mute myself IRL with this duct tape. <laughs> um, did you just fake mime reach for duct tape? I did. It's a great... It's really I really wish I... I'm if I could I bottle... <laughs> if I could bottle and sell Pete Mania, it would be, it would be a great drug. Well, what I wanted to say about that is I think that there is... I, I've talked about it so many times on this podcast, but it, just because it's helped me so much... The idea of expansion and contraction and yeah. everything in nature obeys those rules That's of right. like the 
you can, there are seasons of, and seasons could be hours in the day, by the way, it can be moment to moment. Seasons of drawing, you know, withdrawing, going inward, connecting to yourself, not wanting much contact with the outside world, not being in a state of, um, of output, but of kind of collecting information. Richie Roy says all knowing needs to be balanced with unknowing. All doing needs to be balanced with undoing. Exactly. And it's absolutely true. And Ariel Schwartz says, and I've quoted before on this, that you need to, you need the time of contraction to connect to your inner world and your true self so that when you are in moments of expansion, you don't give it all away. You have, well, you're that's... tethered and grounded in your your true nature i love that yeah and you and the it, memory that it doesn't sorry well just no go ahead you're the memory happy. that it's not gonna yeah i know well you have no idea how long this is about to be it's like uh, fruit by the foot over here that, that sure is true um that I, yeah, that's my old nickname fruit by the foot <laughs> I six foot six feet of fruit by oh the foot oh my god buy, buy me six foot six of fruit by feet I would have to get you six and a half. Is it a foot? Yeah, I don't. Because know. it's by the foot. It You're could right. be more than. I think one it's more foot. than a foot. I think it's at least two feet. It's got to be more than a foot. Uh, fruit by the foot. That's a ruler of, fu- of fruit. I need more fruit than one foot. <laughs> <laughs> I need more fruit than foot. This is more foot than fruit. <laughs> Give me more fruit. Roll it up like bubble tape. Yep. Bubble tape really taught me. I baby. Oh. Bubble tape is what we're talking about. I can't wait to hear how. <laughs> <laughs> when I got bubble tape, I was like, "You're telling me mm. soft, braced." Oh, I just got. Ooh, <laughs> it gave me a chill. I meant me, but yes, the gum was also soft. The gum was so. And it was good. powdered. Oh, what so was the powder? It was like so it was a crime good. scene. Oh, was so somebody good. dusting the fruit by the, the <laughs> bubble tape? That powder can't be anything from the no, natural world. No, no, no. That chemical is <laughs> no is holding together polyester somewhere. Yeah. So anyway, old young Petey, ten year old, twelve year old, smoldering Petey. Mm-hmm. Realized he could dictate how big a piece of gum was. Mm. So what does this fool, foolish, I say that with love, do? He takes too much. Mm-hmm. Because he hasn't learned what you're saying, expansion, contraction. So I'm lamenting. This is the great value of Val right, right, right now. <laughs> I'm telling you that I'm lovingly acknowledging something that's kind of a room for improvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, in myself, which is that I'm very hot and then I'm very cold. I do a pretty good job hiding this from people that I work with because cold Pete can kind of do an impression of hot Pete. Mm-hmm. But hot Pete, there's no faking it. Yeah. Hot Pete's, hot Pete's the, real, the real shit. Uh, the screensaver went on. Sorry, you're going to hear typing. I just want to make sure it stays on. Yep. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, and you're saying expansion control. I lost it. <laughs> Okay. No, I'm well, just saying uh, you're you're addressing this, it perfectly. This is the value yeah, of Val. Yeah. We're we're back to the thing I said originally, and we went all these different places. Then we're at fruit fruit tape and bubble fruit by the bubbles. Yes. And I, it is the same thing. It's like if you think when there's abundance, you have to jizz out a volcano, then you haven't learned the lesson of your contraction. And the contraction says, again, humiliates, humbles, 
in the good way, mm-hmm. says, stay centered, stay grounded. Don't just shoot off like a Ghostbuster gun mm-hmm. every time you're hot. Maybe just, I'm talking to myself right now, maybe just quietly enjoy the fact that you are burning infinite potential, but don't write a pilot in one day and then sort of maniacally call your manager and say, get me Netflix. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've done that many times. And it almost always just ends up being a great writing exercise and sort of like a fun experiment, but it doesn't necessarily lead to, you know, a a thick and uh, reliable harvest. Sure. Yeah. Well, absolutely, because it's going against uh, what's natural and that there is reason for this and that it it, like it's it is kind of goes back to like one way of looking at it is this almost arrogance or entitlement to be like, well, I see that everything else in nature has expansion and contraction (laughs) and birth and death and releasing, but that can't apply to me. I'm just abundance all the time. Abundance, abundance, abundance. Right. And like I, and and our culture definitely, definitely uh, American culture only praises production, abundance, pretty masculine energy. Yep. Uh, just what what can you produce and are you prolific and um and what are you achieving and all of those are expansion um you know i would put them under the category of expansion and then things that are more embodied more feminine in general of just like reflection introspection boundaries wanting like you know attunement into your own inner world and, and change too. Yeah. Aren't women often criticized for like being inconsistent? Yeah, it's flexibility, bitch. <laughs> you know what else changes constantly? Everything in the world. That's right. And masculine feelings are like, I will will myself yeah. uh, against reality. And I will bend reality to me. Mm-hmm. And we pry, we pry. I was just talking, Julio Torres is to the podcast this week. It'll be out in a, a couple of weeks. And um, we were talking about that, that energy. Mm. It's like, he was talking about Brazilian soap operas and different types of TV. And like the Western shows are all like about morality and imposing your will. Yeah. And it's really interesting to just, just kind of wake up from the nap a little bit that like, even things that I really enjoy, Spider-Man, Captain America, those sorts of things. Batman certainly mm-hmm. has that, like... I was just watching Richie talk. It's like the the Western mythology of, like, if you fall down, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, he says, is basically heretical to the gospel. He's like, the point of the gospel is, like, Jesus is obedient to death. It's not that we need to be, like, um, losers. Okay, I'm saying yeah. we need to accept the humbling. Yeah. We have to accept help and we yeah. have to accept limitations. It's not like so when when Jesus gives himself to the cross, he's he's surrendering to reality mm-hmm. in a way, mm-hmm. in a very Buddhist way. Yeah. And like this is happening. Yeah. And our our Jesus, Western Jesus, would be in Gethsemane and would be like rocketeer jetpacking the fuck out of there mm-hmm. and would come back. And once upon a time in Hollywood, flamethrower the Romans, yeah, and and be like, "This is my land now, bitch." Yeah, and it's really funny that we're like 
the religion whose symbol is <laughs> the leader of the religion being murdered. Yes. And hum- literally humiliated, naked and whipped and bleeding. Yeah. And we're like, he's our guy. And then behind us, you see like the Super Bowl happening and like yes. everything. Yes. And I, I can even maybe feel people being like, Jesus isn't against the Super Bowl. I'm like, it's it's you're robbing yourself if you don't allow yourself yeah. to contract. Yeah. If you don't allow yourself to let it's my it, we're back to let it burn. It's self-emptying. Yep. It's self-emptying. Well, yeah. It's going I know who I am yeah. and I'm not this. Yes. The narrative of which I think we're both very familiar is uh, it's like Jesus laughed in the face of death. Right. He really showed death. He conquered death. Right. And he went to hell and lit a few farts on fire, <laughs> moonwalked in his Birkenstocks to the cartwheel, walked on coals, and then like, peace. Yeah. And it's like, even if you're going into, if you're going to like really believe uh, the resurrection narrative, which I love, I'm all for that, uh, he died. If he didn't, like, you're forgetting that he died. Right. It's not that his resurrection undid the death. Right. It was on the other side of the death. So That's right. You still had to do it. Like, conquering death would be like, they're trying to nail you up on a cross and then you, like... Sail away, sail away, sail away. That's right. No, he died. He died in a humiliating way. That's exactly right. And it took that happening first. So there is no... And that's... Sorry. There's no conquering death. For people who are are using that as a point of pride, where did you die? Where when are you dying? And I don't mean like physically, I mean yeah. where is your surrender? Well, that's the model that you're supposed to say, Thy will be done, which is what yeah. Jesus says in the garden. Yeah. Richie was just talking about how we need scapegoats, and it's again, it was very Buddhist and very Alan Wattsy being like we the best thing to unite people is to have a group that you hate together. Mm-hmm. So for Protestants, it's Catholics. For Catholics, it's Protestants. And he's like, and this really, really works. Mm. And then they're dying, and then they're bad, and they're evil, and we're good. And Jesus died for us, and it doesn't matter. And, and so we're good. Mm-hmm. But then he was like, you're even making Jesus a scapegoat. Jesus is a model. Mm. You have to die. Yeah. It's not your enemies need to die. Yeah. And then he said something so beautifully. He was like, with all of this atonement stuff, like killing animals to atone a wrathful God, mm-hmm. which is the atonement theory that you and I were raised with, that God is mad and Jesus died to change God's mind about us. Mm-hmm. Richie says it so beautifully and so perfectly. He goes... Jesus didn't die to change God's mind about us. He died to change our mind about God. Mm. And then you realize it's not us shedding blood for God. It's God shedding blood for us. Yeah. And that that makes you fall in love because he's not just a witness to your suffering. He's he's involved in it. Yeah. And he's also dying as you, in you, through you. All of it is happening, uh, co-conspired with God. Yeah. And you're waking up to that. Right. And I know that like people from my tradition or that I know would say potentially like, well, Jesus died in that way so that we don't have to like in, in your place. But there's such a deeper connection to what you're talking about of like, he was modeling that it, that that's true liberation and even I will do it. And it, it's, that's only, 
the like he did it so we didn't have to that's your fear of death speaking which is actually very specifically western uh you know other cultures certainly don't have the same kind of like death is of course bad right you know? right um but again just using death as as uh, synonymous with surrender you see it in a lot of different ways like there's the thing that i reference i think it's carl rogers i think um that says the par like i'm going to botch it but it's like the great paradox that i've come to learn is only when i completely accept the way things are can true change happen yeah and um in this wonderful book it's very dallas it's like yeah inaction is the greatest action and and power true power looks powerless yeah and in the jesus example it's like great surrender and true humiliation and death is how you find resurrection and liberation right but you have to mean it and you have to do it and there it's something that's so great in this book that i brought because i might read a quote from it i've referenced it before it's called you belong by sabine selassie it's heaven every word of this book i i I like want to underline. Um, She talks about how, and she might be quoting Tara Brock, but how we try to get around it by being like, okay, I'm going to love this thing so that it'll change. And how like that doesn't work. It's not, it's not, it's, you can't shortcut the design, the design of Mm -hmm. this. Like you have to really actually love it. Um, And then, and then change might happen. But at that point, you feel differently about the change because you actually do love your depression. Like right. you're saying, the depression doesn't go away. Your relationship to it changes. Right. And whether and it goes yeah. away or not is, if not irrelevant, certainly way less charged. Yeah. You know? Your relationship to reality and how you... Re- that's what conversion is, is how you relate to reality. Mm-hmm. And, and Richard says his definition of, of a spiritual person is someone who's found the inner reservoir. So the inner reservoir is another way of saying the place from which you look at your depression yeah. and you go and you can admire it like a decaying factory. Yeah, I love the Spe- decaying factory thing. That was a that was a fresh. That was fresh. That was fresh. And fresh. it also reminds me of something, Jennifer. I love that we're like we just talk about like Richard and Jennifer now. <laughs> like like it sounds like we're talking your about therapist? Like, yeah, Jennifer, my therapist. But you just said Richard. Like just the first name. Everyone knows. I know, and I just said Jennifer, and Excuse I think everybody knows. Excuse me while knows. I tell the perhaps story. But I'm just thinking, like, it does sound like two people who are like in a cult, and Richard and Jennifer are our leaders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and Jennifer. Except says. we have to call him Trifactor. <laughs> Trifactor says. <laughs> um, Jennifer, my wonderful therapist, did. She was just telling me the like hack of when you're feeling really in it. It's so simple. But like when you're feeling really in it, just getting the bird's eye view and like looking down on yourself mm. and being like, oh, there I am doing that thing that I do. I have this mood and I'm just doing it. That reminds me. I had a movie idea last night. I don't think it's good, very good, so I'll, I'll share it. <laughs> I w- meaning I don't have to keep a lid on it. Um, but I was thinking about like my, what would heaven be? Because I was trying to make myself comfortable. I just, as a thought experiment, you know. Um, and I was like, oh, it would be like some magical house in a tree and big beds and sunlight, you know, like a heaven-based earth. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what, what I really kind of hope for is the ability to come onto earth and like the end of the movie, Lucy, spin, go forward, backwards in time, play out different realities, 
uh, clip into different people mm. to see how they're feeling in different moments and then replay the moments of my life. So I wrote down it would be like Uflix, like it's like Netflix. Mm. So you die and there's a play button and you push play. And there's all your life. Mm-hmm. And I'm always kind of flirting with a movie that has this message because I think you are going to watch that time you had a, a three-way, that you're going to watch that time you had an amazing birthday mm-hmm. or that time you got day drunk with David O'Doherty. You know, like mm-hmm. you're going to do these, you're going to play the hits. Mm-hmm. And as we always say on the show, for how long? Yeah. And then I'm going to play Pete's wife tells him she's having an affair. Yeah. And I'm going to go into her and see how she's feeling. Yeah. And I'm going to go into me and, and be surprised. Wait, I don't remember that's how I felt. Like, yes. I, I remember that one of the feelings I had was relief. I put that in my book because I, I felt like I was losing my mind. And I was like, oh, there is a problem. I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. And I remember even thinking in that moment, being the overthinker that I, that I was and, and still am, I was like, she'd be so surprised to know that what I'm actually feeling is an expansion. <laughs> like, I'm actually feeling a lightening of my load that you just mm-hmm. told me this devastating mm-hmm. thing. But like... It, it, I also make this point in my book. Those are those are the good episodes. You don't yeah. want to watch the movie. Like, I like the movie Amelie, but I tend to like movies that have more conflict. <laughs> yeah. And I think even movies where people are punching each other, kung fu movies, John Wick movies, are relatable because getting punched in the face is a perfect metaphor for, like, how reality does not care uh, what you thought was going to happen, you're being punched in the face. Yeah. So we sort of like to watch someone getting punched in the face yeah. or being shot at yeah. and then navigating it gracefully. Now I'm manic. But you, you see what I'm saying is we all sort of live in a world where we don't control it. And the only choice then mm. is to gracefully react to it because it's going to do what it's going to do. Yes. And that's what John Wick is. Sure, it's a movie with 3,000 headshots, right, in Kung Fu. And it's fun and it, it's got cheesy dialogue and it's a good time at the movies. Mm-hmm. But I think subconsciously we're also like, look at how almost like a dance this person is flowing yeah. through the worst things that could happen. His wife dies, his dog dies, his house burns down. Yeah. And yet he continues begrudgingly, but he continues submitting to reality. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I did cocaine. <laughs> you didn't, but <laughs> I, it I definitely did. seems like it. <laughs> Imagine if I did. Oh, my God. It uh, would be... I'm going to say something strange. The worst for me. Yeah. Because I almost... There's almost a level of discomfort with how I am right now. Yeah. You've mentioned this before where you're like... And, and I actually heard Conan say it on his podcast, too, which I love. You were like... <laughs> You you'll say like how you you know like you think you're tired. Imagine how I feel. Yeah, that's like right. I live in here. That's right. Um, but I well, I have a couple different ways of looking at what you were just saying, actually, because yeah, like in an absolute way, it is. It does seem like you know this. If we're laboring under like this reality could be anything, then why is there such darkness and suffering? Um, one of the, you know, one of my favorite, and I think yours too, explanation of that is is like Michael Gunger's thing of like, well, if you were infinity, wouldn't you try all the options? Which I think is what you were kind of getting to of like, I would replay all these tapes, and eventually, after going through all the good ones, I would be interested in the bad ones. It's like playing SimCity. Eventually, you go to the disaster tab, and you click Godzilla. Yeah. Because you want the experience of rebuilding the city. So I see that on like the absolute level, but then also the, on the relative level, I'm thinking of two different things. Like... 
because what came to mind was, well, we're doing that already, even without going through all the goodness. Like, what is really motivating me to check the news when I know that it's probably going to be another shooting? Like, or to see another sh- the, another shooting happened and to, I almost never do this, but like sometimes I have to read the details of it. Mm-hmm. Why? Is, I know that my brain loves to be like, well, it's important to stay informed and like activism and stuff. But there are ways of doing that without really diving deep into it. And um, so like, why do I want to do that? What's the driving force? And I think it's the same thing, whatever it is, as the reason why, like, I'm going through the Oscar-nominated films to be like, what what can we watch? And there was one of them, the one that's about making Citizen Kane, that Mm. doesn't seem so, and Minari, that doesn't seem, like, so tragic and dark and either, like, very, uh, like, sad and heart-wrenching or kind of, like, scary and violent. Like... So we clear, and it's always that we. I can hardly ever watch any of our screeners because it's always such dark stuff. So clearly, we love that in a way. Mm-hmm. And so there are two ways that I can perceive that. One is the Eckhart Tolle thing of like it is. It's our pain bodies just wanting to have solidarity and feed off of each other. But I don't, and I do think it is that most of the time. But I also think that there is a lighter explanation which is the like yin yang of life that we don't accept all things like amelie where it's all light because we know that's not the truth of our reality well as soon as you know what light is you're aware that light is the presence of not dark yeah so you know there's dark yeah that's why we love stories like the time machine that old movie of the people in all the white robes and they're living in utopia but every once in a while, one of them is dragged underground for human sacrifice by these, like, devil creatures. Yeah. Because you can't have yeah. nice without not nice. Yeah. Right. I, that's that's pretty trippy. Right. Yeah. And it is, um, you know, I there is something to, like, well, this is our reality. Of course, there is some agency in, in and I think this is really important, there's some agency in which energy you dwell in but it you know even if you choose to dwell in light most of the time darkness is gonna happen it's here it's there's gonna be anything from random bad moods to like serious trauma and tragedy um and that's just like i can tell the work of my life (laughs) like Hmm. i'll never be done just trying to accept and even if I can like love the darkness just as much. Well, it but, yep. But not in that pain body way of like you know like It really is a problem. First of all, I, I think Richie says we come to God through great love and great suffering. So we mm-hmm. like stories of great love and mm-hmm. some of the screeners are about that. Mm-hmm. But we also come to it through great suffering. So we love stories of that. Yeah. I just forgot the second thing I was going to say. You were talking, oh, the Tao, seeing the world as yourself. Mm. So losing, when you lose the concept of self, you sort of lose fear. Mm-hmm. Because if you see the world, and the, the Tao Te Ching says specifically, see the world as yourself. Like that's yourself. Yeah. So if you, if I can see, as we've said before, my own body working out things sometimes in gruesome, weird ways, 
I can understand that. And by by the way, since you've said shooting, I've been haunted and sort of cold. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> That's that's a good thing to remember because I was mm. getting too zoomed out. Mm. And this conversation isn't the conversation you have, you know, in the wake of a shooting. Mm. And we're almost always in the wake of a shooting. So it's pretty hard <laughs> to have this conversation. <laughs> because when you see the whole world as yourself, what I'm saying is you were saying for your own problems that Jennifer said zoom out. Mm. And that's... Yeah. That's, that's the benefit of the bird's eye view of all things. When you mm. can surrender the specialness of your life and the premium that you put on your happiness and mm-hmm. all these things and really just sort of spread that out mm-hmm. and just look at human history as, and not just human history, just the history of the big bang. Mm-hmm. Richie said something beautiful. He goes, I don't think it's a mistake that like 99.999% of what we know is dark and silent. Wow. Meaning the universe. Yeah. He's like, we have one little noisy planet. (laughs) And yeah, you know, there's storms on Mercury. Like, it's not quiet everywhere. Yeah. But like, most of it is space. Yeah. And it's still. And it's tranquil. And it's, it's the Tao. It's like this perfect symbol of the Tao or, you know, pure presence or pure awareness. It's like impartial. It's eternal. It's flowing. It's 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 uninvolved, but couldn't be more involved. Yes. Like the air around Mercury is not interested in my drama, yeah. and yet if it was removed right now, we would all die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if the imbalance that yeah. that control alt delete on the air around Mercury or whatever it is around Mercury, it's not oxygen, mm-hmm. but you know what I'm saying. The molecules, mm-hmm. the the atmosphere, mm-hmm. would all die. You know, like yeah. it would it would disrupt everything. So it's like it's like when Sadhguru was talking about like when you see something, are you involved? And and the ego says, I'm not involved unless I'm involved. Like if you see two people fighting, I'm not involved until someone says, Hey you, you're involved <laughs> and they start mm-hmm. coming after me. Now I'm involved. The the mystic perspective is like it's all one and it's all involved. Mm-hmm. And you, when you drop the the specialness narrative, mm-hmm. the bootstraps narrative, um, which is very difficult to do. It yeah. usually requires some nudging from who knows what. Yeah. You can not ever make sense, rational sense of the horrible things in the world. Yeah. But you can find a transrational allowance for what is. Uh-huh. Because, because as we always say, because it's what is. Yeah. And that, and this is the caveat that you usually um, tack on. That doesn't mean that what is can't be us fighting for gun reform or this Absolutely. or that or that. That is also what is. Your, yeah. your conscience, which we don't talk a lot about. We don't talk a lot about morality on this show. Mm. But your conscience is also part of what is. Yeah. And even the blind spot in your consciousness. Pete, who was being kind because he was afraid of hell, was as symphonic Mm. and perfect Mm. as anything that I've ever done today. Yeah. Even though my understanding may change and most likely will change as I get older and grow, I'm being, I am perfect. That's, that's the message that I want for everybody listening. It's like, that's the, the, the beauty of the oneness is you go, I am perfect. Yes. Even in your unknowing, even yeah. in your folly, yeah. even in that argument you had with your mom, you were 
lawfully unfolding in relation to your mother and the air around Mercury. Yes. You have a poem? Yeah, no, I have a quote from You Belong. Hit it! That leads so perfectly into it. Um, I, I, um, oh, wait, I was going to say something right before that, because it is about this book. Well, this book is called You Belong, which is really what you're talking about. It's like all of our suffering comes from separation. Right. And in our separation, feeling that we we don't belong or can't belong because we're separate. And um, that's the death kind of, that's the one thing I wanted to say is like, your ego doesn't want to lose its separateness because it doesn't want to lose its specialness. Right. But as soon as you can die... That's the self-emptying. This is what we've been talking about. This is Jesus in the garden saying... You can have Jesus, I'll keep the Christ. Yes, yeah, sorry. Exactly. Very excited. Yeah, exactly. So that that specialness is like as soon as you can let go of that, you realize that you belong to everything and everything belongs to you. And what's more special than that? That's right. How can you be alone? <laughs> yep. Take yourself out of this. Take mm-hmm. put yourself somewhere where you're not connected to everything. Mm-hmm. This is what Alan Watts is so good at. It's like the background and the foreground and the and and your outsides and your insides it's all the side two sides of the same coin yep you can't separate them yep okay so i'm going to read this there's a whole chapter uh in you belong by sabine selassie who i'm going to insist you get on this podcast at some point after i finish this book (laughs) Hmm. um the chapter five is called love yourself so it says Love yourself and the music, the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Every chapter in this book could have been titled Love Yourself. All the pages filled with one sentence repeated over and over. Love yourself, love yourself, love yourself. This This imperative is the motto of belonging. Our sense of freedom and joy depends on it. When we truly love ourselves, we don't need to be someone or something else. When we love ourselves, our sense of separation softens. The need to dominate dissolves. Comparison and competition clear away in the presence of self-love. Hierarchy and oppression crumble. We belong. Okay, there's more. Love yourself. This is not about simply tolerating what we don't like about ourselves, bearing our faults and challenges as if they are our deserved punishment. Loving yourself asks you to affirm and care for every part of your your body, Mm. to adore all aspects of your personality, and to appreciate your experiences and current life circumstances. Cherish the things you deride, your temper, your cellulite, your depression, your physical limitations, your jealousy. You are not only not in contention with life, you are grateful for it all. Nothing is a mistake or a problem. Do not reject any part of you. It's not that you long to perpetuate every dubious characteristic. You're not loving envy. You love yourself even when you feel envy, recognizing that it served you in some way. Mm. And then she says, so how, I'm skipping ahead a little bit. So how do we open up to loving ourselves at all times? We don't. That would be utterly exhausting and probably impossible. We're not trained for that. It would be like me trying to run a marathon tomorrow, but we can open to loving, but I can open to loving myself bit by bit over and over training for the marathon in stages. 
and then continuing the training once it's over, lest I get out of shape again. So just like anything, you know, mm. it's a it's just a constant practice of can I love this part of me? And I recently had like an experience with this in therapy, actually, because I was realizing that I was noticing this pattern that I have of um, like a friend recently just gave me so much praise and such beautiful compliments and love, like sent me this incredible voice message of just kind of like everything you wish somebody would say to you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I found myself like in, I was on a hike and I felt like I needed to instantly reply and return that love tenfold. And I was like, obsessed with thinking of the perfect thing that I was going to say to express my love for this person. And I kind of just paused and was like, wow, this is such a immediate reaction. Like it feels very urgent that I reply quickly and perfectly. Like a hot potato. Yeah. That I was like, what, what is this? Where does this come from? And I just got like curious about it. Um, and was like really realized that there's a lot of levels to it, but one of them is I mean the underneath that is the belief that I have to earn love even retroactively. So it was like, what is the fear here if I don't respond perfectly? And you're not being the person they just told you you were. And yes, and they'll change their mind about me. They'll wish that they hadn't just said all of that. Like, oops, wrong number. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, I guess Val isn't as great as that. Or whatever. So there's this fear that I will lose the love if I don't behave perfectly. And then there's also this like taking responsibility for that person was just vulnerable because it's vulnerable to love somebody and be affectionate towards them. So I have to quickly make them feel safe in their vulnerability and let them know that this is well received and this is a safe space to be so loving and they will get it. They just gave me a a ton. I have to give it it back because what? There's a hole there or something because they gave me so much, you know, like I have to match the giving and the receiving. Um, And in that is a lot of, so as I'm like exploring this in therapy, just going layer by layer, I'm realizing that it's back to, assuming how somebody feels and trying to manipulate and control that Mm. so that the love faucet continues to go. Which is funny because you're not even really enjoying it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, and that's, that's exactly it. And I, I think maybe I, I've said this because it's something that I'm really working on, but the larger theme here is I've preached so much on this podcast of like, can you open to your uncomfortable feelings? Can you open and allow your depression? Can you open to your anxiety or whatever? Um, And then it's like, Hey Val, can you open to love? Can you open to joy? Yeah. And I have, I'm finding I have just as hard of a time doing that. That's right. That's interesting. And there is this, there's so much to it. There's the fear that it'll go away. There's the, the sense of worthiness like there's it it's just as hard (laughs) yeah that's uh rob and i used to make that joke i guess we still would if we thought of it but like if i would give him a gift i would always say if you can't accept this how can you accept the infinite grace of god yes if you can't accept this gift yeah like what does that say about your ability to accept 
huge, really significant gifts like love. That's right. That's right. What I loved about what you read is I could, I can feel, I always remember when I asked David Tell if he loved himself and he said no and he laughed really hard <laughs> and he thought it was absurd that I did. So when she talks about envy, like there's envy and there's, and there's, um, I'm a big jackass sometimes or I'm this or that or whatever. And yet I can love myself. The reason is, is because I'm not rationalizing that I love myself. I'm recognizing that myself is the illusion of a separate entity in a whole. Mm. So as I can say, you can worship reality. If you're looking for a God and you don't want a God, you can just worship reality because it's happening. Yeah. You don't have to believe in it. It's not a theory. It's unfolding like a, like a rainbow hose in front of your eyes. It's just constantly changing and evolving and moving and moving, moving new, 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 new. Yeah. It's incredible. But you're part of that. Yeah. So I can love a waterfall. I can try and love a tragedy. I can try and love this. And, but it's always, but Pete's a big guilty piece of crap. You know right. What I mean? But this one little cell in the whole organism, I hate that one. That's why it's like Pete is depressed. He'd like that depression to go away. And then going like, Pete is reality. Yeah. I'm not loving Pete. I'm loving reality. And Pete is a lawfully unfolding piece of reality. Yeah. And when you think about cells under a microscope and you're giving a pep talk to one cell and then you zoom out and it's a cat. Yeah. You feel sort of silly that you're like, wow, I really got lost in cellness. Yeah. And then we zoom out and we're on a cat. Then you zoom out in the cat. We're back to the butterfly theory. Yeah. You remove a cat from reality, you cl- click your nail, uh, fingers, and a cat disappears. Yep. There's big consequences. Yeah. You think you're this tiny little thing, but you're a load-bearing tack. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Load-bearing tack. And there, what part of this could be less or more special than any other part of this? Right. Well, that's... That's, that's the it. love. Yeah. That's That's the trust... In a larger thing, in a larger design. That's the, so. Your as I've said many times, your being here is your ticket to be here. You're here. You're here. You don't have to do anything, Daryl. You belong. You, you already belong. You you're belong. here. You know how I know because you're here. Yeah, that's right. And it's happening. Yeah. And you're happening. Your bad mood is happening. Your envy is happening. Your lust is happening. Your greed is happening. Your reluctance to accept love on a hike is happening. Yes. And a- absolutely, we can say yes to. Not just reality, but our place in reality. As reality. You are reality. Yeah. This strain of words coming out of my mouth right now is is, is the will of reality. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, even if the, if you don't even have to get that zoomed out and absolute to love yourself, it can be as simple as every trait that you have a hard time with arose from some sort of served a purpose at one point so it arose from some sort of survival mechanism because your system of body and brain has one goal and that's to keep you surviving and living and isn't that love it wants you to exist when you love something you want it to exist i think it's so funny that we talk about the ambitious gene, right? Genes are ambitious mm-hmm. and they want to reproduce. Yeah. And a, a single-celled organism wanted to gain mass and split into two. And a fish wanted to slowly, over thousands of years, work its way out of the water mm-hmm. and then evolve and evolve and evolve. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. That's the juice. Terence McKenna was just saying... 
that it's the stoned ape theory. Mm-hmm. I was just listening to him saying this rather. He's dead. Um, <laughs> that um, the stoned ape theory is that if you look at the, the last 30,000 years of human evolution, the brain grew at a rate that like, this is not disputed. It's unheard of. If you look at the, the whole of Homo erectus, Homo sapien, all of that, <laughs> all of that stuff. Hilarious. We still haven't, de- we still haven't, we haven't gotten smart enough past laughing at Homo erectus. <laughs> if, um, so erectus aside, that, that these mushrooms, he puts it brilliantly. He talks about what was happening to, uh, topographically in Africa, climate change that led to more fields that led to less ac- acridity, <laughs> less acrid mm. temperatures. He says it brilliantly. I can't do it. Which led to um, cattle and led to humans needing to leave the jungle in order to uh, start hunting mm. animals. Certain uh, humans became carnivorous. Mm. Carnivorous? Carnivorous. They started eating meat. Mm-hmm. So, the mushrooms that evolved our consciousness grew on cow poop, right? Uh-huh. And the jungle itself drew the humans out of the jungle to find the cows to eat the mushrooms Whoa. that then led to the domestication of cows, which led to more cow poop, which led to more mushrooms. Whoa. So the ambitious mushroom wanting to be more Whoa. went to the humans said, hey, you could eat these things. I'm not saying it literally said this. Yeah. But the story would be a mushroom went to a man and said, there's another thing you could be eating. Yeah. It's slow. He, he makes this point, like, you don't herd mammoths. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't, they're, they're too big. But this one, you can. And it's that one that had the magic mushroom poop. Yeah. So it was like this cycle that you start to see. All of that wow, was a, a nice wow. little trippy sidebar, I suppose. But just the fact that I remember Penn Jillette saying, I believe it's in Sapiens. He was quoting Sapiens. He's like, from an ambitious gene standpoint, we didn't domesticate wheat. We domesticated us by making us like addicted to it, like the feelings that we get from it. So it's like, I want to be more. It doesn't really have that thought, but it's encoded in its in Uh its genes. Uh I want to be more. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about. We've said it before on the show. It's like yearning. Yeah. I know we've anthropomorphized that as God. Yeah. Or a big bang or whatever it is. But what we're worshiping or what we're merging with or what we're humbling ourselves in front of is something that charges everything with a yearning to be, including, you know, thorns, weeds. Yeah. Black holes, those are still different yearnings that are less pleasant to us, you know, yeah. that are that are less in line with what we think should be happening. But it's all a yearn. Right. And it's all the f- whatever the force was that that led, you know, the the tadpole to grow legs to then walk on the earth or uh, led, or wants to keep you alive, wa- wants to keep you alive and arguably wants you to to help you reach enlightenment if enlightenment is just the next evolution of consciousness so when you are working this is just you know one theory but it seems to make a lot of sense to me that's what this is basically what Eckhart Tolle's a new earth is about is like 
okay, we see how evolution has happened throughout all of our existence. Uh, why would we think like it's it done? Stopped. Yeah, it stopped. Um, and the next evolution is is pure consciousness is to like drop these things that like and if you think about like fear and separation, anxiety, depression, all of these shame, all of these are outdated mechanisms that helped us come this far but we don't need them anymore right. at least in the amounts that it's we have like them. the gills on the creature that walked out of the ocean exactly you don't need those gills anymore exactly and we dropped it eventually yep that's right so it's so when you are like i mean just that's what like doing your own healing and being self-aware and zooming out and even loving yourself and recognizing how you belong and all of these little things are like the way Jennifer, my therapist puts it is like, you are, you are cooperating with nature when you Mm -hmm. are working towards your own evolution. It sort of reminds me of my, if it doesn't make sense, it's probably a good thing, Yeah, especially if it's benevolent Uh because we have all of these softwares running shame, guilt, Oh, I ate too much food and now someone in the village will starve. All these things that served us. Yeah. And still partially serve us. Less less and less as from hunter-gatherer times, but still serve us. Yeah. So when you try and love yourself and you can't, it's because you're running into these programs that aren't yet ready to make the leap to you are not a stranger here. Yeah. Or to pure awareness or to oneness. And we don't have to be mad at those things. Mm-hmm. This is what I this is sort of a jump. I, w- I did a, someone else's podcast this week, and um, it was this guy, and, and he was saying he would never do psychedelics. And I, by the way, I'm not advocating that anybody do psychedelics, um, th- meaning that's not my thing. Yeah. He said that as if I was going to be like, well, you should. <laughs> yeah. But what I did say, <laughs> I'm quoting myself, <laughs> I just want to talk, I didn't talk about it as much as I wanted to. I want to talk about it with you. As I said, you know, it's it's fine to not take psychedelics. In fact, most people don't, and it's and it's working out just fine. Um, but you're not really off the hook. I was like, your brain will never say to this day when I take a psychedelic, if I did in an undisclosed, non-specified drug experience, <laughs> my brain in this hypothetical situation would still be like, would never be on board. It's never going to go, this is a good idea. Yeah. You should knock me out of control. Right. It will never want that. Yeah. So I always have to remember that there's always going to be a moment of like, my brain doesn't love that we're doing this. So you have to go against your own sort of better judgment and ingest something that's going to be like, and Sansom Papomance come and thank you, India. You know what I mean? (laughs) And you love it. But then you can't even remember how much you love it. And then you're back here. And then you're back with the bodyguard of your brain being like, don't do that again. And you're like, okay. And I know, by the way, this sounds like a lot of horrible things you could be doing to your body where your brain is like, please stop doing opiates or whatever it might be. So I, I'm aware that there's sort of, this isn't always a good model. But mm-hmm. with psychedelics, the surrendering of control can lead to a spiritual sort of epiphany. What were you going to say, Fran? Yeah, and I think if you, you know, you're saying even if you don't do psychedelics, you're not off the hook. And even if you do do psychedelics, you're not off the hook because you have to return here and you have to apply that to your everyday life. Absolutely. So it is. Yeah, you have more, not less, after the psychedelic trip often. You're like, I have more to sort of 
um, make sense of. And I mean, you know, we, I very, I've said this before, but like I'm more and more, I'm coming to the conclusion that like psychedelics, maybe it's tied to, I think I've brought this up on the podcast before, but maybe it's tied to the like different yanas of like how we all have different ways of getting there, brain, body, energy, gut, whatever. Um, I think you mean the different yogas and one of them is yana yoga. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Thank you. Um, For the one person listening in a cave in the Himalayas. Wait um, a minute. Thank you, though. I'm glad you corrected me. Um, but yeah, uh, that just psychedelics is not the way for everybody. Um, and and I think is not for me anymore. Yeah. Um, and I, a, lot, a lot of that has to do with pacing and your body's pacing. And sometimes it needs to just be like a slower burn than like rip. <laughs> <There's>, zip. Yep. <laughs> Sorry about this. Shane Moss. Um, and, and it's very helpful to have, like you said, all types of different uh, angles of the elephant. Is that it? Where you're touching? Yeah, the, sure. Yeah. But what the second part of what I was saying was you're not off the hook. If your reason for not wanting to do them is because you don't want to surrender control, mm. I was like, there's two ways of looking at this. One, like, whoopsie daisy, you're still going to have to die. Yeah. And, and most likely, <laughs> most deaths, you're aware that you're dying. Yeah. So it's a process of dying. Yeah. A very small amount of deaths, I believe, statistically are sudden deaths. Yeah. Most people die in the modern age. They're aware they're dying and there's a process. So that process is your involuntary surrender class. Yeah. Where, I, and I was sort of like, I don't mean to say this like, oh, I'll be fine dying, but psychedelics are sort of like death rehearsals. Uh So you could look at that as like, neener, 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 you're still going to have to die and you're going to have to surrender Mm -hmm. control, you're not off the hook. Or you could look at it as I do, which is look at this compassionate force Mm -hmm. that's like, even if you don't want to play with the small fires before... Uh, the end of your life, I'm still going to give you the big fire. Mm. Going back to the idea that self-emptying and death not being an error and the mythology of death in the West as being this like ah, thing yeah, might not be completely correct. This is another great Terrence McKenna thing. I've been on a Terrence McKenna trip. He's like, he's like, I resisted this for a very long time. But when you smoke DMT, you visit souls. Like you hang out with souls and you are a soul. And he's like, he's not a spiritual person. And he's like, you hang out with the ancestors. And he's like, and we have thousands of years of corroborated accounts of shamans, jungle shamans, mountain shamans, different shamans Mm -hmm. that corroborate this, Mm -hmm. that they visit the ancestors and they return, that the shaman's role is basically to die and then to return through the, the use of sacred plants. And he's like... What do we have against that? 200 years of scientific modernism. We're actually postmodern. And he's like, what has that got us? Like, we're miserable. We're disconnected. I know we have bridges and we have vaccines and we have this and that and there's all these good things. But he's like, put that against the thousands of years of quiet human experience. I I said to Brian Morescu, I was like, it's like finding out because psychedelics have existed throughout human history. It's like finding out they had the Internet. 
Yep. They had something better than the internet. The experience of taking a psychedelic is like, oh, I have all of the information. Mm -hmm. And the role of the shaman was to bring just a little bit of it back, like Mm -hmm. sneaking a diamond back from a dream under your pillow. And that was their role. And they would say, you are spirit. Those are your ancestors. And this is what Terrence McKenna says. This life is a training ground for the next dimension. He's like, Mm -hmm. it's all evolving. Mm -hmm. As above, so below. Species are evolving. Mm -hmm. Plants are evolving. We are evolving. Life is evolving. But we're like, but the universe and the dimension doesn't evolve. Why would it stop? It really takes a specific type of self-importance to be like, but I'm the top. And what I understand is the cap on what is understandable. Yeah. Well, that's because, I mean, yeah, that goes back to like, if you're doing anything where the like examples that you see in nature around you don't match that, like you're being ridiculous. You are a part of this nature. If everything is evolving, you are, you know, and really the truth is, if the species are either evolving or dying, like becoming irrelevant, buddy, that's you too. Buddy. Buddy. Um, Jeff Bridges, buddy. I wanted to share two things again from this wonderful book that, that came up. One was just back to the loving yourself thing really quick. Um, she tells the story that's quite famous of the Dalai Lama um, getting a question of like, what do you do if you hate yourself? And it taking like 10 minutes to translate to him because he just had never been exposed to that concept. Whoa. So like if you are having, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't, I am fundamentally unlovable. I don't know how I could love myself. Um, Just take comfort in the idea that that's even a cultural conditioned belief. Yeah. If you were raised somewhere else, it, it would seem absurd not to love yourself. So, um, mm. so it, it's something that can be conditioned out of you as well. Um, and then you were just talking about the ancestors, and this is the coolest thing I've ever read <laughs> about ancestors. It says, within the philosophy, so ta- it's talking about the um, self-critics. Within the philosophy of indigenous focusing, inner critics are considered the wise voices of our ancestors. Our ancestors endured denomi- uh, sorry, domination or oppression by creating ways of being that protected them and ensured survival. Keep my head down, cause few problems, don't trust outsiders, be secretive. These were wise directives. Guarding oneself could potentially decrease the chances of being a target of oppression. Um, Remember, in the IFOT perspective, which is the indigenous focusing perspective, all trauma and tendencies are handed down through the generations. Sorry, all trauma and tendencies that are handed down through the generations are knowledge. Mm. So, for one example, could be if somebody was sexually shut down or repressed, this may be influenced by the larger mores of society. There could also be an element of ancestral knowing because sexual violence existed in an inevitability throughout history. So just that idea of being like, you know, all of these things that we it's the same thing as being like everything that you might be considering as a flaw or something that is unlovable about you served a purpose at one point. That could be in your history or that could be in your ancestral history. Mm. This is all just pointing to like 
It is not malicious. Everything about you had... It is there was for part a of the yearning. Yes, it was a it was a mechanism of the yearning. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's not personal. It's it could be so not personal that it could be something that your grandmother experienced and handed down to you. That's so funny. As opposed to like even just what you experienced as a kid. So really, the only reason this is important is that it is a portal to compassion and self love. It's so funny. I, I can feel the comedy voice of God being like, I'm so sorry I made you these evolving things, but you're not instantly deleting like irrelevant f- programs. <laughs> right. He's like, I, I'm, I made these programs. I'm so sorry they don't work instantly. Yeah. It's like on my last non-specified drug experience. I thought it was so funny that we thought that our insides are gross. Yeah. Like if you think about your your colon and your lower intestine and blood and mucus. And I was like, I, I said to Gungies, I was, I was like, he, he wasn't on anything. I was just like, I'm sorry. I couldn't make it all beautiful. Yeah. Like I couldn't make it look like this. And I pointed to the ocean. Yeah. But it's funny. We make hospitals so sterile and clean to sort of offset. This is where the we wildness. deal with the wild, like, stringy moving blah and it it was just so like it's not very funny to even me right now but the attitude of god being like excuse me that i couldn't make your insides look like an apple store and also (laughs) i love that and also you said this and it didn't occur to me until just now but the only reason we think that's disgusting i i would guess is because if you can see your intestines, something is severely wrong and you're dying. Right. right. But, like, if you look at the, like, it, you know, if you do the, like, col- colonoscopy or, like, yeah. certainly if you see, like, inside fallopian tubes and stuff, it's yeah. beautiful. Fallopian <laughs> tubes, I'll give you. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I've but, never had a colonoscopy. <laughs> you know, this is this is the, the as above, so below thing. The veins in my whatever mm-hmm. look like a strike of lightning. Yeah. In the sky, the same exact distribution of energy that occurs in the sky that takes my breath away and that's when I knew to propose <laughs> is disgusting because of my, the story that I tell yeah. and because of my instincts. Why yeah. does blood make you faint? Because you know something's wrong. You know, yeah. like it's a bad sign and fainting might just be like, it's like a muscle opening because it's getting heated. Yeah. It's like this ill-advised attempt to keep you safe. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're bleeding. Uh, just uh, pass out. Yeah. Because um, you don't want to be here for this. Yeah. That's probably not even what it is. I'm just saying it, it just seems like misguided. Yeah. Um, and I'm done. I'll sleep tonight. Yeah. Um, should we take questions or is this Sure, good? let's try one. Let's see how one feels. Um, you guys asked such great questions in the um, the comments for the last post and we just never really get to them. We always think, we always start every episode with being like, let's just take questions this episode and then we just blab. Because we, ne- we never plan. I'm so proud that we can talk this way. Oh. Proud in the good way and like just loving our love. And the questions, what is this quote? It's not your friend's help that helps you. It's knowing that your friends will help you if you need help that helps you. Mm -hmm. So it's not the questions that help us get through two hours of talking. Mm -hmm. It's knowing that if we hit a wall, we could always take a question. 
Mm-hmm. That enables us. You are the wind beneath us. We um, okay. Um, let's see. Let's see. One person asked uh, if I ever took any medication for my depression. And since that's a quick answer, I'll just say it. Um, I, I didn't mostly honestly, because I was pregnant when I was first faced with depression, um, which now I know you can take Zoloft and maybe a couple others pretty safely, uh, while pregnant. But, um, I didn't know that at the time. And Zoloft.com slash weird. <laughs> that seemed like such a Zoloft placement. I know. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Yeah, you can. According to who? Zoloft? <laughs> no, according to a lot of my friends who were depressed during pregnancy and after. Yeah, but who told them it was safe? Zoloft? <laughs> no, they're, they're psychiatrists. Um, but the, I did take a lot of... The okay. Zoloft riff continues in my head. <laughs> there might be some people who are pregnant here on Zoloft that you might be fit making... And I love fast. them and they'll be fine. <laughs> You will be fine. I know a lot of examples that. Who are that. you, Zola? Okay, you are out <laughs> a of here, devil. Um, and also, I wanted to say. Oh, I don't mean to be anti. That's a sensitive issue. Thank y- you. Yeah, I don't mean to be anti. That stuff really helps people. Forgive me. I liked saying Zola. <laughs> yeah, that's as far as that's all that meant. I was going to say I haven't, but am full fully in support of. Of people oh, doing have, whatever they need to do. We would have both taken an Ativan that day in San Francisco. I know. Well, that specifically... I chomped one remember, down. Remember, I'm actually kind of... Ups- I was upset once I found out that you can take Zoloft safely because I saw a doctor in San Francisco and I said, I, I am so afraid that you are going to tell me that there's nothing you can do because I know that this is a psychological issue, but I am I feel as if... I am dying. Like, I feel, ex- it feels exactly like I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. And she said, take Benadryl so that you'll sleep. And I wish he would what have said. What do you work for you Benadryl? Take Zoloft. Yeah, Zoloft. Um, also, there are supplements that I took. 5-HTP, L-theanine, GABA. I'm, I'm swearing by that milk thistle. Dar Williams, when she did this milk podcast, thistle, told me about milk lion's thistle. Lion's mane. Uh, any adaptogen, the prepare your mind mood chews. P-Y-M. P-Y-M. I love them. So there's love a P-Y-M. Be a Pete's pick, P-Y-M. I know. Just do it already. Not, not answering my cold call email to your info email address on your website. How dare you? Okay, um, and then there were... So this one's kind of sweet. Rage Cage Without the Rage says... So just a cage. How long were you hurting after your first marriage failed? Did you cry at all? I'm hurting pretty bad right now. Rage. Rage. Rage Cage Without the Rage. Feel it. Yeah, feel, feel it. it. Know that it's not forever. Um, it's a cloud in the sky. You're the sky rage cage. <laughs> this is the story that we I uh, that we tell ourselves when we're going through anything, which is, I will never be the same. I'm forever go. I'm always going to feel this way. I'm never going to find anything like that. I'm always going to be at the dentist. <laughs> yeah, and it's just you know, it's. I'm going to go ahead and say that's not true, but it at the very least is not knowable and there's no benefit from Oh yeah, do that the work. Story. If you it is very helpful, I would think 
it would help anybody in any situation. I would speak that boldly about it. But read, if you want, Loving What Is, because if you give your pain a voice and listen to it, the voice is very often representing an untrue thought. I will never find love again Mm -hmm. might be one. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I am unlovable might be one. Um, she left me because I am disgusting. Might be, you know, I'm, I'm trying to really yeah. give you ones that I have. I wasn't making a joke there. And then you just take it through the work. You go, I am unlovable. Is it true? You might say, yeah, it's untrue. I'm unlovable. My wife left me. Can you absolutely know for sure it's true? Mm-hmm. And, th- and then you stop and you go, well, you know, Dan loves me and Terry loves me and well, oh, there's that guy at camp. He really loved, whatever it was. And then, how do you feel when you believe I'm unlovable? Well, I feel sad. I'm collapsing. It's the worst. How would you feel if you didn't believe it? Mm-hmm. I would be free and true. And then you turn it around. I am lovable. And you have to come up with four examples. How are you lovable? Yeah. I'm fun. I'm I'm a good. I help that guy move. I mm-hmm. I program this person's Wi-Fi for them. This person loves me. This person loves me. And then. You start to see how untrue it is. Yeah. But the exercise of giving your pain a voice and saying, "Sorry, bitch, you work for me. Yeah. You're an, you're a, a a guest in this house, and I insist that it speak to you, and listen to it, and it'll talk just like a child, mm-hmm. and it'll say like something ridiculous. I'm never gonna love again. Is that true? Yep. And you'll be laughing. But also cry. We're not trying to drive around the crying. Enjoy the crying. It's healthy. Yeah. But also, when when you've had enough, let's let's start doing the work. Thework.com. Yeah. I feel like you already... That also answered this person's question. I might be saying your name wrong. Sadar Avon, um, who said, what do you do when you feel like a bad guy? And I just have to say, I'm looking at your picture, Sadar, and you look like the sweetest man. Um, And I I think that's exactly the answer. I hope this whole episode was for people who feel that way, because it it is about loving yourself, and you can start by... Exploring, oh, yeah. exploring what the belief is there. Why? What parts of you do you are you labeling as bad? And maybe trying to find what purpose they served at one point. That's right. Thank them for serving that purpose, and um, and see if you can access some compassion. And then if you can't, just for everybody, since we're talking about loving yourself, for if you if there is an aspect of yourself that you don't feel like you can love right now. First of all, that is not it that doesn't mean that it is unlovable and that you'll never be able to love that part of you. Second of all, see if you can just love the desire to love that part of you. Mm. Meet yourself wherever you can find the love, start there and take it one level further. I love that. Yeah. I'm also going to rip off Bluey, my favorite show, Bluey, <laughs> season 2 available on Disney now. Now, um <laughs> I um, love Bluey, and I'm going to say, here's... What's his name? Sardar? Yeah. Sardar. Sardar. Sardar? Yeah. I will heal your guilt, but you have to bring me the underpants of someone who's never (laughs) felt like they were a bad person. Yeah. And then you will go out, and you will try and get someone's underpants. 
mm-hmm. and you will find that everybody at some point has felt like they were a bad person. Absolutely. And that is your healing. Yep. And that's a beautiful episode of Bluey. He said, I'll, I'll heal your friend if you give me the underpants of someone who's never been sick. Yeah. By the way, on Bluey, they tell the story of the beggar sitting on the box full of gold. They do? Yeah, I think Joe Blum, the guy who created it, is, is woke AF. Oh, it is just the greatest gift, that show. Come okay. on the show, Joe. This is a really quick one, but I'm curious about it because I don't know what it means. Um, did you use the sex lamp on your first date with Val? Jay Sostry wants to know, what's the sex lamp? The sex lamp? Yeah, is that something that you used to talk about? A sex lamp? It might be. It's very vaguely familiar that I had a lamp that I only turned on for mood lighting. Yeah, maybe maybe it was part of your bit about like clipping your toenails and making your bed. Yeah. The first time we had sex was in a hotel. Yeah. And I loved it so much. This is sweet. Sweet alert. Not just the sex, the the experience, um, <laughs> that I took a picture of the hotel room. Oh. <laughs> After you had left, I took a picture of the room. That is so sweet. I think you, you've told me that before, and I totally forgot. Because but I was didn't like... Didn't you used to... Because then we, it, in the beginning of our relationship, we would just meet in hotels. Well, then we started we, going to nicer hotels. The but, first time was because I was working at Cobb's, and... I was in the Cobbs Hotel, which is fine. Yeah. But then around the time we started dating is when I did the Pete Holmes show. Yeah. And then I had more money. Yeah. So then I really tried to bachelor you. Yeah. You really did. And I was like living that teacher's salary life where I was like, if we stay at... Like a double tree, that's nice for me. Yeah, I like a double tree. <laughs> but we would say the the Four Seasons, which yeah. was but. But were you taking pictures every time we were doing that? No. Okay, just the first one. This is the first. Really one. cute, cute alert, cute <laughs> alert. So I don't even need a sex lamp. I got a sex hotel room. <laughs> you rub my sex lamp, and then I come Aladdin. Oh boy! No, the genie. Oh, I thought the genie was named Aladdin briefly. But did you, you know what the genie's named? The genie. I believe it's just genie. Oh, yeah. Genie. All right. Was that enough questions? You didn't see any other good ones? I saw some really great ones, but I just didn't know how we were doing for time. Yeah, we got to get Lee. Yeah. Nanny's about to clock out. But we'll return back to these questions. Yeah, we, we have these. are so good at you asking questions. You guys got questions. great cues. Great cues. Great cues. And we're, we're just like, we're not even giving A's. We're just like fucking dancing like John Wick, dude. Yeah. Feel the so crispness. So many John R- Wick references. That was a callback. Feel the crispness. No, I just mean in your own personal life. <laughs> I know. Of the now. Everyone listening, we're just feeling the crispness. It's unfolding right now like a big typewriter ball. You know how some typewriters are balls? No, I've never seen that. Sometimes they have every letter on a ball and the ball moves. What? I want to see that. Okay. This metaphor is uh, going a different well, route, but got, it sounds like I'm about to sell a typewriter. You so, got okay. real 80s. It's 90s. Uh, so it's a big typewriter ball with all the letters on it covered in ink on a huge white piece of paper, and I'm just rolling the ball forward, and it's printing out reality. It's fresh in front of you. Everything I'm doing right (laughs) now is reality, and your ticket to it is that you are here. You're not a stranger. You are dignified. You belong. You are precious. You 
don't have to earn God's love. You are God's love. Keep it crispy. You is kind. You is smart. You is important. Keep it crispy. <laughs> I love that movie. I know. It's Wait, so good. do I? Yeah, The Help. You love it. I've only seen it once. So crispy. My ice cream make you want to